Greetings, uh, sports fans and Catholic radio listeners. This is Steve Ferguson with my co-host, Brad Moore, and we're bringing you two guys in a conversation. Brad, we're talking Siouxland sports again right out of the gate with our little weekly discussion, and uh, nothing bigger to talk about uh, for the Healing Crusader fans and that big win they had against West, uh, a confidence booster. They needed that, Brad, this time of year. And they showed a lot of offense. That was a fairly lopsided game. They got a lot of receivers involved. I think they might have simplified things a little bit more for the younger quarterback, but uh, seems to be working. Yeah, his uh, stats look like he's very efficient. And you mentioned, got to get the ball to, to Cato Lee, and he had some, some big plays again for the uh, Crusaders. It really, uh, they needed that, Brad. They needed that offensive stability and the fact that they, they got some confidence they could move the ball. They got a big game tonight with SBL, which is really the bar in the district. And I think, again, our coaching staff and Pat Grace is a brilliant offensive coordinator, probably made throws that uh, were pretty easy for uh, uh, for Luke Longo um, and got some got some confidence going. Yeah, so they got their first win, and really that uh, those first four games are history. They now enter district play, and that's what matters. They're going to have their hands full. They've got uh, SBL. Daniel Wright, he's already thrown for over 1,000 yards. He's completing over 70% of his passes, 11 TDs, only three interceptions. So um, the the defensive backs, which I think are the strength, one of the strengths at Helan, um, they're going to have to come prepared this Friday. Yeah, you know, you've talked about it all season. Helan's got a super tough defense. It's kept them in every game, and uh, it's going to have to show up tonight. And, again, I think you're right. Daniel Wright is a Division One uh, prospect at quarterback, and, Rangy, tall, great athlete, good basketball player. And so um, that SBL uh, program is, is very solid down there. As Coach Smith has really done some, some good things. And uh, it'll be interesting just to see how our defense can stand up and see if our offense can make enough plays tonight. Yeah, they're going to have to uh, stay away from penalties, turnovers. No different in any level of football game when you're the underdog. Um, and, you're, and you're playing a good team. You're just going to have to play good, solid uh, football with no mistakes. But I still feel that Helan has the athletes they could pull the upset. You know, they've shown it, and we've talked about it, that they've got some playmakers, they've got some depth. And, and you know, the Helan the tradition, the Helan lore is that it doesn't matter who we're playing. Those kids always believe they're in the game. And I think that, you know, typically in a, when you're an underdog, Brad, you've got to have a couple things go right, maybe a turnover, maybe a big play, maybe it's a return. Um, and, and hopefully that will happen early in the game for Helan. Uh, don't you think that will make a big difference if they get something – yeah, going their way early. Yeah, momentum's very important. So let's see if uh, Camden Lee can return another 97-yard kickoff return on the opening kickoff. Make sure that the official makes the right call on that. That's right there. Correct. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this will be fun tonight. And don't uh, don't forget, listeners, to tune in right after our show to uh, the the Helan pregame show featuring uh, uh, Travis Morgan, Bob Geary, voices of the uh, Helan Crusader football, and uh, it'll be an entertaining game tonight to listen to. Healing Volleyball, uh, the CYO tournament, and we talked a little bit about that in Warren Brooks' inaugural year as the Healing Volleyball coach, former uh, outstanding All-Big Ten volleyball player uh, at Iowa and Healing grad. Uh, they went two and four at the CYO tournament, and it's kind of a, a rebuilding, uh, reestablishing program this year for Lauren in her first year, and and uh, it'll be fun to watch her. I, I think that team is going to get better. I know her program is going to get better. She's such a competitor. Um, Brad, out here in our area, uh, we always got to get so many people that, that pep us about Dakota Valley. So we got to throw some Dakota Valley in the football program, 4 1. 
and uh, won another game. Yeah, the, the football team's doing very well. Um, I didn't get a chance to see this last game, but uh, four and one, pretty impressive. Sioux Falls Christian's pretty tough. That's who they beat, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're always tough. Uh, how about that volleyball team? Wow. Uh, last night, Dakota Valley uh, upset, um, and I guess we would call it an upset, uh, uh, number one ranked Sioux Falls Christian, who uh, has not lost a game in Class A volleyball in South Dakota for the last three years, uh, got defeated in five set uh, out at uh, Dakota Valley uh, by Mary Miller's volleyball team, and uh, the, the Purple Panthers are 12-1 and one right now, uh, Brad, in volleyball. Yeah, they're probably going to take over the number one ranking. Um, Sioux Falls Christian, as you said, they're they're having lost in their class in three years. They're the two-time defending champs. Um, so now you DV twelve and one. Their only loss was to seventeen and one, and number two ranked uh, Iowa four A school Sergeant Bluff. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that well, DV's playing very tough. Yeah, in that. In that Sergeant Bluff game, it had to go into extra innings, so to speak, in that second set for Sergeant Bluff to defeat uh, Dakota Valley. So there's some some special things going on over there uh, at DV. And I think one of the things, Brad, that you and I both agree on uh, is the importance of continuity. And then, and you've got a, a, a three-year starting setter at Dakota Valley, Ellie Beersford, committed to Sioux Falls after her sophomore year. So you know how talented she is. And she's a veteran running the show, and they, they're pretty balanced over there. They've got uh, uh, Sophie Atchison, a sophomore that's leading them in kills, and Roddy Rosenquist uh, that's right behind her. Uh, you've got a senior in Rachel Wente that's playing the middle and, and doing great things. Um, and, and Tori Schultz, I believe, is uh, another middle that's really an active and very talented uh, athletic family. Um, and they've got some great defensive uh, play going on over there. It's a, it's a pretty impressive little program right now. Yeah, all those athletes that you mentioned, uh, those players came up big uh, in that game. Uh, Sophie Atchison, 10 kills. Uh, Rosenquist, 8 kills. Uh, Tori Schultz, 7 blocks. Uh, Beersford that you mentioned, she had 3 aces in addition to her 35 assists. And then uh, Taylor Wilshire had uh, 22 digs. So obviously, all those girls playing at a very high level. Well, you notice in the box score, this is what's probably it is equally impressive, especially for a young, younger team. They lost the first two sets, and they lost them fairly decisively. I think the box scores were 25-18, 25-17. And in volleyball, you pretty much are about ready to step on their throat at that point. And they rallied back um, and won the thing in the, in the fifth set. That's impressive to me. Yeah, so as uh, Coach Doug Moody always used to tell me, uh, one of the most important things in high school sports, and especially high school girls sports, is momentum. And uh, once you get the momentum going in your direction, uh, things can uh, go your way uh, fairly quickly. That's so, why uh, when watching you guys play, you know, you guys would press and up tempo and really start to push things one way or the other. I was watching, loved watching your the teams play when you had uh, Tritz play in, and you guys could really do some cool things. Um, we got a lot to talk about on our show in terms of college football, one of our favorite subjects coming up in our next section here on Two Guys in Conversation. Uh, I'll be listening tonight to the uh, the Heelan volleyball game. I'm going to head down to Iowa City, Brad, and check out the Hawkeyes. And, uh, keep an eye on my Hawks as they uh, play Middle Tennessee, but we'll chat more about that here in the uh, the upcoming second. Yeah, the joke going around uh, my group of friends is Iowa was uh, hoping they were playing Tennessee, not Middle Tennessee, <laughs> this year. We have a very good friend. That's a tough joke on you. 
Hey, catch everybody here in just a couple minutes on Two Guys in Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore, and you're entering Steve and Brad's Room of Knowledge. This is our favorite section of uh, our show. Uh, we get together and just talk about anything sports that uh, we want to, and, and it's been primarily focused on Big Ten football. Hey, it's that time of year for us, and uh, we've been doing a fun little project where we've made our kind of list of the top teams in the Big Ten. And, and talk about them and uh, our observations and uh, kind of like we're just sitting around in our living room uh, just chatting. And once again, Brad, we're starting off with Ohio State. And I had a uh, interesting observation tonight. One of the top college football analysts has Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson equal as number one in the country. Yeah, Ohio State's impressive. They're playing such good football. They've got the number one rusher in the Big Ten, uh, in addition to uh, the quarterback. Uh, is it Fields? Fields his name? Fields. Yeah, he, he's amazing. He's he's throwing touchdowns. There's no turnovers. The guy can run the ball. Um, Ohio State, uh, we're going to see what they're made of down in Lincoln this weekend. That's going to be a fun one. We'll talk a lot about that uh, here in a couple minutes. Uh, Wisconsin at number two, pasted in Michigan. Pasted in Michigan. And they scare the heck out of me right now. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. I mean, what Wisconsin did to Michigan, and I'll say it again, Michigan has, I mean, they're loaded with four and five stars. There are so many athletes on the Michigan team that I don't know how that could happen. I, I mean, Wisconsin, I think, is that good. Mm -hmm. So um, we uh, slid Michigan State into the three slot, all playing at Northwestern, which is always tough. And uh, they got a linebacker, Brad. I, I don't know his name. I believe it starts with a K for Michigan State. You got to watch this guy play. On the goal line stand they made against Northwestern, the running back hits the hole. He not only hits him, he lifts him and pancakes him back and then made the following play. Yeah. Uh, he, the, their defense is really impressive. Yeah, I saw that. They're for real. Their defense was great last year. They've always got a great defense. And this year, they're they're scoring a few points. They had the one week where they weren't uh, doing much offensively, but scored 28, I think, again this week. So, they got you know. the quarterback back this year again. And, and they, they, they have a really good receiver, a big, tall receiver. And I'm not paying too much attention to their, to their names because I don't care about Michigan State that much, but they're they're good. And uh, so I don't know. We uh, we have Iowa at four um, by week. Good week to be by week. Uh, they moved up to number 14 in the country without everybody losing. And uh, we'll find out a lot here. Uh, hopefully they are going to hold serve this week, Brad. Uh, at one point, though, and this is interesting, they're still playing without four of their top six defensive backs. They're still injured. They're starting defensive tackles out. They're starting left tackles out. So it had all those guys missing for Iowa State, and they still don't have a back this year. Yeah, here's what I'd like to see from Iowa. Iowa, I think, has three sacks on the year. Yeah. Not a lot of quarterback hurries. Yeah. Um, that's supposed to be one of their strengths. So this is the team they need to turn up the pressure, uh, get some sacks, um, get Espinessa involved in the game a little bit more, turn him loose. And, uh, you know, I, I expect them to win big this week and and – it will be good for their confidence, but they're going to need it because they've got a tough road after this game. Well, you've touched on kind of the hot spot that of everybody that's an Iowa fan going, gosh, we really felt like pressure was going to be the big part of the upfront. 
and uh, it hasn't happened yet. Um, so we'll, yeah, good point. We'll see what happens this week. Yeah, and some of that could be that they're scheming against Iowa's rush and getting the ball out quickly. Um, you know, no, no panic yet, but uh, definitely that's something they got to work on. Penn State at number five, um, again, kind of rolling along. Uh, they got so much talent, and, uh, you know, they won a really tough game against Pittsburgh. And um, so, I, I, you know, I think we have to leave them in that spot right now. There's nobody else that I think we could put. We could flip-flop Penn State-Iowa maybe, but I, I like Iowa top of Penn State. Yeah, so Penn State's coming off the, the bye week also, and they've got tonight on a Friday night game, uh, they're at Maryland. And we thought a lot of Maryland through the first two games, so we'll see what Penn State has tonight. Well, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, rebound game for Maryland at home, and we'll find out if they're really going to stand up and, and compete in the Big Ten. We've kind of hyphenated two teams, Michigan, Nebraska. Nebraska, uh, let's talk Michigan first, uh, incredibly disappointing, and I have been a little skeptical. Uh, their offense looked pathetic. Brad made some great points, so Brad just said that uh, – Shea Patterson's been dinged, and now McCaffrey's dinged. They said he is questionable with a possible concussion. Uh, there are two quarterbacks there interchanging. Lack of continuity in their offensive approach this year is killing them, uh, in my opinion. And they don't have as much team speed as I thought they've had in the past. Yeah, I tell you. So Michigan had only 40 yards rushing yes. against Wisconsin. That was pathetic. And then they also had four turnovers. So. Uh, you, you're not going to win a lot of Big Ten games with four turnovers. The only thing that scares me, uh, Iowa's got Michigan coming up, you know, and you don't want to overlook Middle Tennessee. That'd be a bad thing. But down the road, looming is Michigan, and you know what? They're dinged, they're ticked, and uh, they're going to bring everything they can to, to prove to the United States and to the you know, to the Big Ten that uh, that was a fluke. And uh, so that's, that's going to be a tough uh, environment for Iowa to go up to. Nebraska, holy smokes, Brad. I watched bits and pieces of the second half, got to see all the way to the end. And we talk about it again. Uh, defense, you know, questionable for me, but yet the difference is in a game like that, I think two years ago you would have lost, and this year you're winning. Yeah, so defense only gave up about uh, 299 yards. I, I think that's respectable in the Big Ten. So I, I, I'm not too down on the defense, but uh, – Four turnovers. Yeah. I mean, how, how many times? Yeah, that's all I'm saying uh, week after week with Nebraska. Again, over 100 yards in penalties, four turnovers, continually shoot themselves in the foot. And despite that, they have uh, 675 total yards. Martinez, 327 yards passing, three TDs, no interceptions. He had another 118 yards rushing. He leads the Big Ten in passing right now. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, uh, which is coming up, and Nebraska are the one and two offenses in the Big Ten. You know, they, they seem to have firepower. They've got a lot of stars. They had the uh, freshman, Wandale Robinson, uh, 89 yards rushing, 79 yards receiving, three touchdowns. He's the real deal. He's, he's a great player. But uh, can they eliminate the turnovers? That's the big question. Bebo, I wore the black shirt for you today. And so my, you know, granted, it was the defense got stuck on short field, turnovers, short field, and of course Illinois took advantage. But that's where the defense has got to look at Martinez and say, no worries, we got your back. You know, shut him down to a field goal, rise up and say, hey, no problem. And that's that's where the difference in Nebraska is they can get that mentality back that 
that they know that they can be confident on their defense, that's when they're going to be knocking on the door for special things. Yeah, so Nebraska cornerbacks playing at a very high level on defense, uh, so we need to see more out of the line and the linebackers. Well, listen, uh, that wraps up our room and knowledge section, and we're going to be back for a little college sports roundup locally here, and it's two guys in the conversation in just a few minutes. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in Conversation. Steve Ferguson along with Brad Moore, and we're going to talk a little college sports roundup. You know, we talk local college, Briarcliff, Morningside, and we talk about our big three, Iowa State, Iowa, and Nebraska. And uh, we're going to start off with a little discussion on football at Morningside, Brad. They, uh, they beat Dome 51-29. I had a chance to watch most of the game online. Their defense was not as impressive. And they think it's going to be a good thing for them. They did a lot of good things, but they looked vulnerable. They had a pretty athletic quarterback, uh, Brad, that kind of broke them down. And they were able to exploit their zone and uh, uh, showed a few weak spots, I thought, in the defense. Yeah, so Morningside, I tell you, um, offensively, um, they can afford some defensive breakdowns. Uh, Their offense is that good. But they'll get that fixed pretty quickly. I think they've been solid all year. Dolmcheck was uh, the quarterback that stepped in for Trent Souls. was 23-35, 471, six TDs. And this Jurgenmeyer, a uh, big, lanky, H, H-type receiver, nine catches, 266, and three touchdowns. A couple of, of interesting notes off the football team. Uh, and all you sports fans, go to ESPN to vote for Jacob Kotzer, middle linebacker from Morningside, was named to the Sugar Bowl's Good Hands uh, team, All-State. It's a, it's a prestigious honor. Uh, it's picked from all of the, the football players from all levels, and he'll be at the, honored at the Sugar Bowl. It's the fifth player uh, in, this, in the Steve Ryan era. That's impressive, Brad. Five kids in Morningside have been picked this. And what it is, it's a community service, uh, uh, someone that really does a lot for the community they live in as a football player. And they're going to join Tim Tebow at the Sugar Bowl to do a special community service project for, for New Orleans. But you can vote for that team captain by going to ESPN, and it's the All-State Good Hands team. And twin brother Joel Kotzer, who is the outside linebacker, were just named a semifinalist for the Campbell Award, which is the academic Heisman open to all football players uh, in all levels. So that's a pretty neat uh combination of uh, awards for those two twin brothers that are pretty darn good. Yeah, and both of them are in the top 10 in total tackles in the GPAC right now. So great players, great students. Volleyball, Morningside. You know, I was pretty excited about their start, Brad. We talked about it, 6-0, three top 10 wins, or three twins against top 20 programs. They're stumbling right now. Two and four in the GPAC, got beat by uh, Briarcliff. The three senior leaders, Olsen Gerber and Alba Richo, continue to be Really, really good performers. And if you look at the scores and watch the games, but they're in a tough position to try to scramble back and then try to get in that upper echelon of the GPAC because they got some tough upcoming games. That Briar Cliff loss was a tough one on that. Yeah, that was a big conference win for Briar Cliff. Uh, five set uh, match 25 20, 17 25, 25 21, 20 25. And then in the fifth, Briar Cliff scratches it out 15 to 11. So uh, leading players for uh, Briar Cliff, Tyra Blue, 15 kills. Delaney Meyer, 29 assists. Helan's uh, Grace Hanno, uh, John and Mary uh, Helan, her parents, were also uh, Briar Cliff grads. She had 14 digs. And for Morningside, 
Caitlin Makavica, 19 kills. And she's been a new player that's really stepping up. Yeah, yeah, actually out of Soresco, Nebraska, and many Nebraska fans will recognize that last name, Makavica. Cool. Well, uh, you know, you've talked about Briarcliff football being being solid, defense solid, big win for them again, and it's really starting to set up the possibility that this Morningside uh, Briarcliff uh, football game could be very interesting. You know how exciting for Sioux City if that became a great game. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and how exciting for Briarcliff. Yeah. So, Briarcliff now has climbed to the number one defense in NAIA. That's impressive. Yeah, very impressive defense. They're two and all, two and zero in the G Pack, three and one overall. First time in program history starting 2-0 in the GPAC, and first time in program history they've had eight straight wins at home. You know, you go to the um, inner city games, basketball games, men's and women's, and volleyball, and you watch it. The gyms are packed. I mean, there's a lot of local interest. Uh, uh, now football can rise up to that, man, would be would be very cool. And uh, it's a possibility this year. Yeah, so that defense held uh, Dome to 181 total yards. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Santos, very efficient at quarterback, 238 yards. Not a lot happening on the ground for them Saturday, but uh, they had Alexander Johnson uh, on defense, 12 tackles. So pretty complete performance by BC. Yeah. Iowa State football bounced back with a 72-20 blowout win over Louisiana Monroe. One of the questions that was answered, though, uh, to me was replacing Hakeem Butler. They got this receiver, uh, Tariq Milton. He's off to a fantastic start, Brad, and uh, given uh, Brock Purdy a a go-to target, their offense uh, looks pretty salty, and they're going to go down to Baylor, and I think they're going to come back with a victory. Yeah, do you think uh, Iowa State was a little upset? little chip on their shoulder after the Iowa game? I think so. I think so. Iowa uh, coming with Middle Tennessee this week, I think it's a matter of consistency, running the football, doing the things they've been doing, and, and, and try to not uh, go take a step backwards at the, as they get prepared for Michigan uh, coming up at the big house. Uh, once again, I talked about the injury front. Ference has indicated that uh, the four defensive backs are not ready to be back in. Um, and that's that's critical. They got exploited at Iowa State a little bit. Uh, defensive tackle, I'm not as concerned because Davion Nixon stepping in. Um, left tackle, we got uh, the Paulson brothers are starting again and just having a, a heck of a good uh, senior year. And they're such solid players and good guys. And so no matter what happens, you've got a depth there now in that offensive line. Yeah, take this to the bank. There will be no letdown in Iowa City this weekend. All right, Brad. It's Lincoln. It's big time football, and Nebraska fans have been waiting for a meaningful game like this for the last few years. Yeah, for sure. College game day, night game, could potentially be raining. Um, first time that ESPN's game day has been there since 2007. Husker Nation is hungry for a game like this. And one at one point, Nebraska is going to get a big momentum-changing win. Is it Saturday? That I don't know, but it could be. If if Nebraska can hang around till the fourth quarter, keep the crowd in it, um, maybe they'll have a chance. It's going to be crazy electric. So a number of years ago, game day was at Iowa City for Ohio State-Iowa. And I was there. It was a night game. And about 15 minutes before the game started, the fans were in a frenzy. And I remember uh, Corso walking along just looking up in the stands going what's going on the excitement was just it was i was part of it i'm standing there screaming and yelling let's go on it was 15 minutes before the game started 
that environment is going to be there in Lincoln. Yeah. So Nebraska fans like to set records, and uh, I believe that one record will fall this weekend, and that will be the highest attendance at an ESPN game day. I think that will be set on Saturday. That's what uh, Scott Frost predicted. And I don't think uh, the fan base wants to let him down or he might go out and punch it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, it's going to be fun. And this is what is so exciting about Big Ten sports, Big Ten football, uh, games like this. Everybody will be tuned in, you know, and uh, uh, it's going to be exciting. And, and uh, it's going to be good luck Huskers this weekend, that's for sure. Yeah. I think if uh, no turnovers, Martinez uh, plays to his potential, I think Nebraska can keep it close. I, I I really think they can keep it close. and yeah. We'll see if Fields can beat you through the air. And then you said your defensive backs have been playing good. Stop the run, put it, another player in the box, and uh, let Martinez do his thing in prime time. It could be a blast. Yes. That's another show for two guys in a conversation. Thanks for listening, everybody, and tune in for Healing Football following us.